When I first got started as a creator, only huge creators were charging money for posts. A creator like myself was happy enough accepting gifted offers in exchange for content because it was just for fun, right? But when things change from just for fun to, wow, this is actually taking up a lot of my time and energy, I realized that getting paid should be part of the process. But how much was I supposed to ask for? Honestly, at first, I pulled a random number out of the air and I pitched it to a brand and it was accepted. So I did it again until I was getting some pushback from these brands. Then one day I was chatting with a creator friend who was very similar in skill set, level of creator and demographic as me. We were both on the same campaign and she was getting paid double what I was getting paid and all because she asked for it. So I said that number as my rate and I continued to bump it up every time I felt like my offers were getting accepted too quickly. Now I'm at a place where I charge no less than $1,000 for a post on TikTok or Instagram, most of the time being upwards of $2,000. But isn't there a better formula to follow? I'm Kristen Busquette and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and I've brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with Cynthia Ruff, CEO and co-founder of Hashtag Tamey. She left her job pricing CEO's salaries to become a full-time lifestyle blogger in 2018, and she quickly realized that the way the creator economy prices work just sucks. After finishing her MBA at Georgia Tech, she set off to change that with hashtag PayMe, the first unbiased pricing calculator for creator work. She spent over 18 months gathering data from a variety of brands and agencies and creators themselves to determine what is a fair rate. Their tool shows you how creators like you are getting paid for jobs right now so you never have to question if you're charging the right price. We're giving you the scoop on all things that you need to consider when setting your rates for partnerships. This My Biz BFF is Social Scoop. If you're on the waitlist for the powerful creator tool that I'm working on with the wildly successful TikTok creator and coach Sky Garcia of Managed by Sky and the queen of personal branding, Alyssa Chan Evangelista of Inspired Media Co., check your inbox tomorrow for a huge, huge, huge surprise. We've created the ultimate tool for creators looking to level up their personal branding, create a content strategy that actually works, and make money working with brands. And our waitlist is getting first dibs tomorrow. You didn't get on the waitlist? That's okay. Tap the link below and sign up to be notified when public access to our tool goes live very, very soon. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 92 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen Busquette, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here today. It has been a whirlwind of a month. I cannot believe that it's already May. I literally realized today that I didn't even pay any of my bills in April because I had them on my desk for apparently an entire month. (laughs) So wish me luck with that because apparently April just flew by for me. I literally did, I guess, nothing that I was supposed to do in April. But it's a new month and we've got some new news to share with you. Instagram is testing showing the share count on posts. So with this test, if it comes to fruition, you would be able to see the amount of shares that each post is getting on Instagram. I kind of like this stat and it really shows that Instagram is putting an importance on shareable content. So consider that when you are creating your content for Instagram. Is there a reason why people would be sharing this post? Because if not, you might want to change some things around. Instagram is also working on the ability to share captions on stories. So you would be able to write a text caption on each story slide 
which is a little confusing to me, honestly, because what is the difference between a caption on a story slide or just typing on the actual story slide itself? Isn't that the entire point of why we have a text option? I don't know. This one for me just seems a little out of left field, but maybe they're cooking up something bigger that this is just a part of. Instagram is also working on the ability to add comments to stories. Now, we chatted about this last week, but a new piece of information has been released about this feature. So when someone comments on your story, it's going to be shown publicly. So this doesn't go to your DMs like something that would be private and that only you can see. This is actually a comment that gets shared to your stories that everyone would be able to see just like the comments on your reels or on your Instagram posts. So I kind of like this idea of being able to share comments on stories. I think it really shows that Instagram understands the importance of stories and how it is kind of just holding them together. I think most of us can say that we do spend a lot of our time on Instagram stories when we're on that app. So I really like that they're putting work into stories to really make the experience more fun and interactive for us. I know that you guys have a lot of trouble pricing your rates for partnerships. So I know that it's really difficult to figure out what the heck to charge for your partnerships, which is exactly why I'm very excited to have Cynthia Ruff here with us. She's basically the queen of pricing partnerships. So we're very lucky to have her. And without further ado, let's get into the rest of this episode. So you guys send in so many questions about rates and what you should charge. And I always have such a hard time giving you an answer because there's so much that goes into it. So today we're here with Cynthia Ruff, who is the CEO and co-founder of Hashtag Pay Me. And we're going to be talking all about rates. I hope that this will help you guys figure out what the heck to charge. So Cynthia, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm really excited to chat with you all and answer all your burning questions around payment. Oh, yeah. And there's so many of them. So that will be perfect. Um, so for those who don't know about you and hashtag pay me, can you give us kind of the rundown of what you guys do? For sure. So me personally, I like many of you probably have a corporate job or had a corporate job and, you know, wasn't creatively stimulated enough. So I started a creative channel on the side. This was back in 2014, then left my corporate consulting job to be a creator full time and found that it was really hard to do it on my own. Uh, I couldn't scale my business in a meaningful way. So I went back to get my master's degree at Georgia Tech. During that time, I had this crazy idea. I was like, what if we use the same tools I used in corporate America to price CEO salaries for content creators? Because the way that we price work really sucks. Like follower count is not a good measure of your actual worth. Um, and then like the rates never equaled that what was projected for follower count anyways. Yeah. Um, so started building a data set and trying to look to see if we can rebuild these tools. And so hashtag pay me was launched in June of 2022. And we've been able to help over 3,500 creators find like $2.5 million in worth just from our rate calculator. So very excited to, you know, help creators with this knowledge and this opportunity to get a fair rate when they're starting pricing their work, as well as we're releasing some other tools uh, very soon to help you grow your creator business as well. I'm so excited for the other tools too, because the rate calculator is awesome. So anything that you guys come out with, I'm definitely excited to see. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Because I used it myself last <laughs> year when I priced all of my part-time creator work. So I was able to price like over $40,000 in brand deals, which was massive because like it reduced all yeah. my, my negotiation time and it really helped me like feel confident like that I could go out and get these rates because our data set said it was acceptable and I just right. didn't have to question anything. 
Right, exactly. You can you can literally say this is what we should be getting paid. Like there's actually proof behind it, which I sometimes feel like is the hardest part because a lot of creators are just kind of thinking of a number. And then when brands want to know like why in the world do you think that you should be paid this amount of money, it's right. nice to have some data behind it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're like your third party like best <laughs> friend who says that this is okay, that you can charge these prices. I love it. I love it. So when we are thinking about what to charge, what kind of factors actually come into play when figuring out your rate? I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah, so there's there's really kind of like three prongs to it. It's what you bring to the table, what the brand is bringing to the table, and then the campaign requirements themselves. So anything that you bring to the table is like your followership, your engagement. We're working on how to figure out conversion rate and how that works into it in the future. Right now, it hasn't been like very big in the pricing that we've seen in the past, but we know that that's coming down the pipeline. And then also the level at which you produce content. So like these are very like unique to you parameters that increase and get better as you stay a creator longer. Um, and then of course, like brand size affects everything. Uh, the time of the year in which the brand is coming to you mm. affects a lot of it too. So like the industry that they're in, kind of what the market is saying, like where people are spending money in an industry. Um, and finally, the campaign requirements. So what are they asking you to do? How long are they asking you to do this partnership for? How long do they want you to only work with them? Um, these things all go into how you price your work. Yeah, there really are so many things that come into play. And and it's hard. That's one of the things that makes it so difficult to figure out is like there's so many things that you have to consider. Um, one thing that I love that you said that I think not a lot of creators maybe think about is time of year too. And we automatically, when we hear that, think holiday. And obviously I think for some brands, that's very true. But then there are other brands like, I think about like, a towel brand or like a sunscreen brand, like summer is, you know, their hottest time for sales. So maybe they're spending the most of their time like Q2, Q3. So every brand is really so different when it comes to when they're spending money too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very interesting to watch the trends throughout the year, how it relates to like other like marketing initiatives. So Creator spend is really just another like amplification of all their marketing efforts. So when are they going to have a promotion? Do they focus on graduation? Do they focus on Father's Day? Whereas the Mm. majority of the world gets pretty quiet during the summer. There's some brands who just really ramp up during the summer too. So it's interesting to watch those trends happen. And we help you figure that out without you having to go and like, oh, is... SBF company, you know, increasing their right. budget for XYZ time period. Uh, we kind of have seen that happen in the last two years. So we can say that they are. Yeah, that, I guess that was going to be a question that I wanted to ask you too, is like when it comes to figuring out like a brand's needs on the other end, like again, time of year or like the type of campaigns and things like that, is there a really good way for us to figure that out without immediately having to like actually speak with the brand because you know sometimes we don't get responses (laughs) yeah um I suppose like it it kind of boils down to your value proposition I know you talk about this a lot um and how you as a creator can provide value even if they're not personally working on a project that's paid right now so as long as you go into the partnership with um some sort of idea of how you want it to pan out, whether that's right now or within three months. Um, And that's kind of defines back to your value proposition. Like, are you a really great person to create 
super high value content? Are you really engaged in a certain thing? Are you producing a series at this time of uh, year? How does that brand fit into the storyline? Because knowing that up front makes the conversation much more easy to have. And also asking open-ended questions. Um, I tell people all the time, yeah. you know, don't don't say things at the end of partner like a partnership pitch that says like, "Does this sound interesting?" Be like, "Could we work on something like this together?" Uh, have it a much more leading and open question to right. inspire them to write back so that they feel compelled. Yeah, that's a great point. And I love that you brought up a uh, value proposition because you're right. I do preach that quite <laughs> often um, because I think it's so important, especially when creators, there are so many of us and you can't just say, I make great content. Cause like we all make great content, you right. know, like that doesn't make you stand out anymore at this point. And right. that's something that we talk about in our course brand BFF as well Is like, you have to have something else that really helps you stand apart from everyone else. Um, And one thing you said too that I really love the way you put it is like the brand has to be able to be a part of the storyline, you know, like who is your brand? What is your mission? What is your purpose for what, why you're sharing content and how is a brand going to fit into that? Those are the only brands that you should realistically be working with. Absolutely. I like to put together what I call like my brand, like sales book. So when I'm creating my content calendar for the year or for like the quarter, I plan like three months in advance, like here's the storyline of this month and like what we're focusing on and how different brands could fit into that storyline. Because I think, you know, Kristen, that if you don't pitch within the right amount of time, you're going to lose out on the opportunity to work with them because the dollars have already been assigned. So how do you get in front of them? It means you need to have a plan for where you're going with your content and how that brand and fits in with you and what you're working on. Also, just by stalking their Instagram feed, you can see who they worked with, how it worked out for them, what they're missing, what you can also add in value by your creator, your content creatorship, and re-pitch that same angle from last year. And they'll be like, oh my God, this is groundbreaking. And it's like, that's actually what you guys (laughs) did yesterday or last year. But it's, you know, (laughs) tuned into my perspective. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a really cool way of looking at it. I'm curious to hear more from your experience, obviously at hashtag paid me, but also as a creator, do you feel like there are still a lot of brands that are looking at, you know, like a minimum follower count for the creators that they want to work with? Uh, yes and no. I think there's definitely some, you're probably a cold pitch. You're never going to get into a big brand like anthropology, like forget it, me with 27,000 followers. I'm never going to be on their radar or like Veronica Beard or anyone else. Like it's just not who they're looking for. But, um, is there a brand label inside of that, that you could partner with because they have their own independent house and Instagram channel that, you know, you could help promote. So I look at like, you know, sure, I want to work in anthropology, but I'm not there yet. Um, and they would probably never look at me. But how can I work with other brands that are similar? So I still get that opportunity to get in the door and get in front of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely love that perspective. It's kind of like a hard truth, almost, you know, like, yes, we want to tell ourselves that we can do anything. But realistically, like there are a brand like anthropology, the amount of pitches they're probably getting every single day, they probably put them all in an inbox and don't look at them. Because <laughs> like, it, it's got to be so overwhelming. Like yeah. I would hate to be the person who has to look through all of those emails. And especially when pitches a lot of the times look so similar to each other. It's like, well, you know, insanity <laughs> yeah. at a certain point. I know. I heard someone, 
I found it on TikTok or something or my sister did or something. And she, she was like, look at these like pitch things. And she's like, you have to pitch 10 times a day to different brands. And I was like, first of all, that's exhausting. Who has time no. for that? Second of all, that's like a copy and paste pitch. And that's not going to work for anybody. It's just going to go immediately yep. to delete. Um, and then second, like, if you have no touch points to these big brands that you want to work with, start making friends with the people who have worked with them. Um, mm. I'm, I'm fundraising right now for our company and this world is all about who you know. And I'm yep. like, oh crap, it's just like the creator world. <laughs> so I have to go build all these new networks and relationships and get introductions to the people that have invested in these other people's companies and uh, go through that route. So it's much easier to make a relationship with another creator who could then introduce you to anthropology mm. or Whole Foods or whoever you want to work with on their behalf um, because they'll yeah. bring you in once they see the value that you also could provide. I love that perspective. And especially with creators nowadays, I think a lot more creators are open to like being, I guess, less gatekeeping, you know, like if I know a really great creator that would be a good fit and I know like anthropology is still going to continue to hire me. I have no problem saying you would also really love this person. And I almost think it like kind of gives some brownie points to the person who's referring, referring that other yeah. creator. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a cool way to lift each other up, but also like it, it's not gonna, you know, get you less opportunities at the end of the right. day. You know, if a brand loves working with you, they're going to want to keep working with you. Yeah. I'm constantly advocating for all my friends. Like if a brand deal comes through and I'm like, look, I don't have time for this, but here's all my friends in Atlanta who could also <laughs> work on this and they would be a great fit. Right. Please go email them. Here's their email addresses. Just tell them I sent you over. Um, and so <laughs> that's like, you know, a great pass off. And then they'll be like, oh, well, maybe she'll refer us for other stuff. So we'll still keep coming to her in the future. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I want to get into like the nitty gritty a little bit more with with rates here. So when we are thinking about all of those factors that kind of play a part when figuring out your rate, obviously the type of content is going to be something that makes that rate very different. Um, So how do you determine different rates for different types of content? Like, do you feel like there are some types of content that are more valuable than others? Or what does the data say? Yeah. Um, so the data definitely says that there is a difference between how you price a carousel versus a reel versus a story versus a TikTok video. Um, right. Platform-wise, there's definitely a swing in how spend is allocated per brand. Um, and I think it also kind of depends on like what works the most for your audience too. So I know for my personal brand, video or video does not work well at all. Like they, my audience is very receptive to carousels. They like that information to come through that way. And so I typically pitch a carousel. And so the, it's essentially like the more work that you have to add on to it, which a carousel is now six photos instead of just one, um, you know, that's six times as much editing, whatever right. kind of stuff that you go through video is for me, very complex. So it's a huge lift and I have to do like a little extra charge because I spend like an hour editing extra video. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, there's not only the rates that we see how brands are paying differently, but it's also because creators are spending more time creating this type of content too. So that drives up the cost overall. Right. And one thing that I've seen as well is, is that a lot of brands kind of uh, I guess have their budget categorized a little bit differently for content and then something like, you know, their ad spend, their usage, um, and what they can spend on that. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing to dive into as well. Um, first of all, like how have you seen 
brands kind of like being more receptive to, I guess, your request for paying for usage, considering that maybe they're coming from a separate part of the budget? Um, And have you seen that there are any like industry standards for like, you know, usage, exclusivity, all those things? Yeah, I would say the majority of the time, brands are probably just going to try to throw everything in the contract to get as much as Mm -hmm. possible if you don't push back. But as soon as you start saying things like, you know, digital usage, are they using it natively? Are they going to put it all over the world on a billboard? Who knows? Um, These come with different price tags. Um, And then obviously whitelisting because it ties you to that brand for an X amount of time for however long that they're running the content. So they see it as a win because they're like, oh, I get this free content to run in ads and it's going to perform so well. But then you as the creator, you get nothing except, you know, your name is now tied with whoever. Yeah. Um, So I think it kind of goes to just read the contract carefully as a creator. Um, But when you do recognize those things in a contract, you as the creator can stand up and say, hey, I want to actually ask for an extra $200 because I see you want to post this across all your digital ads. I want to get, you know, $100 a month for whitelisting or whatever. But we haven't really seen an industry like standard. What we have seen is a different willingness to pay based off of the size of the brand and for the length in which they're going to use the content. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I've I have always like heard the same kind of range of rates and I have specific like percentages that I've always charged and that I've seen work really well. But also it's another one of those things, same with just like your rate for deliverable is that like you might have a a rate set or I might have a percentage set for usage or whitelisting, whatever. But at the end of the day, like it doesn't totally matter because every single brand is going to say like, that's not in our budget or that is, and maybe negotiate, maybe not, but it's really so dependent on the brand. Right. And if it's not in their budget, the nice thing is like everything is negotiable. So you can Mm. just ask them to take that out. So I don't do exclusivity that's longer than two weeks. Otherwise, you're going to have to pay significantly because that means like I can't work as a creator. Um, I don't do whitelisting more than three months without like a significant charge on the back end uh, if they want to use it like multi-year. It depends on when they start. I might give them like a free month for the next year if they want to run it around holidays. But um, everything that you see in a contract that you don't like, you can ask them to take it out. You can ask them to reduce the payment terms if they can't meet you at your full rate. Um, I do that all the time. If they yeah. can't meet me at my full rate, I'll just be like, can you pay net 15 instead of net 45? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, great. I get my money sooner. If something happens, I don't have to worry yeah. about having to go chase down a lawyer to go get you to pay me. Um, and, right. you know, I just ask those questions because the answer will always be no if you don't ask. Very good point. Yeah. I actually, uh, for anyone listening, I have a good example of this because this actually just happened to me in the last couple of days. I had a brand who reached out to me, a large brand who I would have expected to have more money, but apparently does not. Um, And they had wanted a certain amount of deliverables from me. I quoted them $4,500. And I said, this is not inclusive of usage and exclusivity because they had not given me, they just said how much for these deliverables. So I sent that right back and they got back to me and said, oh, well, you know, the average of what we're spending is around 4,000, including usage and exclusivity. And in the contract that they had sent me, or I guess it was kind of a brief, it had said that they wanted six months of organic and paid usage plus 30 days of exclusivity. So I had, you know, like that was 
no way was I going to do all of that for $4,000 considering my deliverables were $4,500. So what I did was I gave them two options. I said, okay, you can either take out the usage or I can give you 14 days paid usage for free, whatever, two weeks, um, included in the $4,000 rate. Like I'll come down to $4,000 and I'll put uh, 14 days exclusivity because typically I'm not going to be sharing competitors like that close to each other anyway. Um, so I was able to kind of give them that option that keeps the rate at what they want, but took down the, uh, amount of usage and the amount of exclusivity. But then I also said, if you did want that, you know, my rate, if we calculate it all out would be closer to like $7,000. I can do it for, you know, $6,500. And so I kind of gave them those two options. I'm waiting to hear back from them right now, but it's a good example of, having to negotiate things other than just the rate. Like you said, there's, there's so many other things that you can kind of play around with in a contract. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so how do, this is maybe a hard question. Mm -hmm. Um, how do creators kind of ensure that maybe their rates are competitive with the market? Yeah. I mean, there's, a, we you can use our free tool. We have a free base rate calculator. Um, you're welcome to jump on and see at minimum what you should be charging. And this this tool is much more of a like, hey, this is what my content is worth at any given time. At minimum, I should probably not be accepting less than this. Um, and then if you want to know what you could be charging, we also do have a sponsored post calculator that you can upgrade your membership to, or you can give us data and we'll give you free access to it as well. Otherwise, um, talking with other creators who potentially have worked with the brand is also really nice. I mean, I think because of a lot of the transparency platforms that have opened up, there is that conversation opportunity to have with creators that's not so weird about what yeah. did you get paid for this? Um, when you worked with them, did you enjoy working with them? You know, might make it much more about how the experiences was before you just start asking about payment. Um, and keep a pulse on what, new tools and new softwares and new newsletters are coming out with um, otherwise because, you know, the more prepared you are with information on how people are getting paid, the better it is and the more stronger and confident you'll feel going into that negotiation process. Right. And negotiation is really, I think the more that you do it, the more comfortable that it gets. <laughs> I work with a lot of creators who are very nervous about negotiations because they're scared that if they say, oh, sorry, like, you know, this, or if the brand kind of like comes at them with something that they don't like, they're like, oh, like this sucks, but I'm just going to agree to it because I don't want to ruffle any feathers and, and try and say something that this brand is going to say no to and then have them just kind of leave me. Um, have you ever experienced that? Like, what is your opinion on, on how that actually typically looks? I was going to share a story about when I first started pricing my work, my first ever sponsored post, I was too embarrassed to call it a sponsored post. I called it a styling fee instead. So I could pass off that confidence of at least I was doing something to get paid for something in return. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see that sentiment all the time. Creators don't want to push back for fear of getting ghosted because someone else will be out there to like lowball them. But again, that's when it's really important to highlight your value proposition, what it is that you can do for the brand. Um, maybe you have a really strong conversion rate. Maybe you've worked out a similar campaign that you were able to track and have really good data from. Um, and being able to highlight that, but right before you come back with like your final offer, 
uh, which should never really be like your totally final offer. You should be, have a little bit more wiggle room at the end will actually anchor them to this like bias that you are worth what you are because you've stated it one more time very clearly that you should be paid this because of X. Um, so that's a really good way to help you re-anchor your worth right before you send over the final negotiation. So talking about kind of like value proposition for creators, I mean, that's, I feel like this is something I've been throwing around a lot, but I'm not sure that it's something that's talked about enough. So do you, can you kind of like give maybe the creators listening a rundown of how I guess they can figure out what that is? Like, how do you know what it is that like sets you apart and makes you special? Yeah, I kind of pay attention to the language that first comes over in a pitch. And I'm like, are they interested in a content forward campaign? Are they interested in just a quick and dirty post? Like, what are we going after here? Um, And so it's my job as a creator to go back to my data house and I'll check my conversions uh, for that specific category. So when a brand in the food and drink industry comes at you, I wouldn't send them just your... um, total conversion rate, I would go hyper focused down into just that food and drink category that you Mm. focus on and only report on that data because it's probably much stronger than if you listed the entire um, conversion rate for all of your audience. And then another way to also do that is um, not only promoting that conversion rate and percentage, but also in dollars driven to the retailers. Uh, So, you know, if you have a 10% conversion rate and you've made $100, you do $100 divided by 10%, and that's um, $1,000. So, you know, you've driven $1,000 worth of um, money to this retailer. That's much more impactful yeah. than just saying I have a 10% conversion rate. Um, yeah. And so thinking about how your channel can benefit this campaign very granularly really will help you um, respond in a very intelligent way. Yeah. And I think having those numbers prepared, like having the data to share with the brand really does set you apart alone right there. Like, I think a lot of creators don't even have that data. They're like, well, you know, like people buy when I post stuff, but like, okay, would give us a little bit more, you know, it's harder to, to, it's harder to argue with data than it is you just telling us that you're awesome. Like anyone can say that, you know, like if we have solid information though, that, that makes it really difficult for a brand to be like, well, you know, like, are you worth it? Yes, I am. The data is right here. (laughs) And the number one way to raise your rate as a creator is to be able to be a good brand partner and provide the marketer with Mm. a good assurance that you are a good bet. So every time a new marketer comes to you wanting to invest, money on you. They're taking a real risk in how they're spending their marketing budget. They know not everyone is going to be a winner, but at least to give them some assurance that we tried this, you know, it, it worked or it didn't work. Um, but when marketers make good bets, they get more money for their new budget and that budget goes up so they can spend more money on creators. So being able to provide that and being a good brand partner is being really a good brand partner to the entire creator economy because you're helping lift up the other creators who haven't yet priced for campaigns. Yeah. I think that the general consensus of what I hear back from everyone that I have these conversations with is that a brand would rather rehire someone whose maybe content was a little you know, not, not the top of the bunch, but they were incredible to work with. Like they were fast, they were early, they over delivered, like they were great, great, great partners 
versus someone who had like the best results but was horrible to work with. So like yeah. just the actual like level of professionalism and how you are interacting and communicating during the entire partnership, I think is actually where you can really shine and, and get higher time and time again. Yeah, the number, so we polled a lot of brands when we were building our initial database and the number one challenge that they have is staffing creators. So 80% of brands will actually, or brands will use 80% of the same talent campaign over campaign because they're just like, it was such a bear to go get more talent, to go find who's going to be worth it. They don't get enough good quality cold pitches to like give them assurance that, you know, they can take a bet on some people. Right. And, um... Also, agencies price in the time to find content creators. And if they go over that time, it starts cutting in a talent budget. So the longer yeah. it takes to staff those campaigns with content creators, the less money they have to spend on talent, which cuts into like the overall ROI and the um, yeah. the production of the campaign itself. So being on the forefront and getting in front of the brands yeah. that you want to work on early. Again, you might get ghosted now, but when they go time to search their email inbox and be like, I need a food blogger who has, is like a micro creator in Atlanta, uh, who in my inbox has yeah. mentioned these three words and can I just <laughs> email them e- easily? Um, so, you know, pitching strategically is very important to start those conversation points early. Yeah. All great points. I think it's kind of, mind-blowing to think about because we all think that there are so many creators out there that it's going to be so hard to find jobs but and there are a lot of creators but the creators that have the professionalism and are easy to work with that list is small (laughs) it's like surprisingly small small. I remember (laughs) before I did this full-time I was actually helping out a brand doing their influencer campaign management in the back end And I was shocked. I was just like, because I am a type A person. I'm like always, I'm a control freak. I'm on the ball. Like, and so I could not believe how many times I would have to email people to send me their invoice or like, hey, we sent you the products a month ago. Like you haven't even mentioned anything yet. Like what's going on? Or people that, you know, I would say, send me this, this, and this. And they would just send one thing and forget the other ones. It is crazy. Like yeah. it's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's a mess. I mean, there's definitely been times where I've dropped the ball at the end of collaborations. And I was like, oh my God, I need to go profusely like apologize. I'm a week late on this. Honestly, having morning, so I'm pregnant right now and so having morning sickness through November, December while I was wrapping up some campaigns, I was just late on everything. And I finally had to tell them like, I'm 10 weeks pregnant and like barfing all throughout the day. I'm really sorry. This is going to be like another week late until I can get something. But letting them know if oh. it's going to be late, they can um, work with you to make sure that they get everything they need on time too. So, you know, at least letting them know that's going to happen is a good way to keep the partnership um, in a positive realm. Yeah. Overall, I think if you can just be someone who's communicative and you really take into consideration the fact that the brand has to report back to their boss, like you want your your contact to look good to their boss. I think that's kind of the most important thing. And as long as you can do that, you're probably on the right track and they probably enjoy working with you, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Just make it as easy as possible for them. You know, it's everyone has a really hard job thinking about how many people they have to staff for a campaign is exhausting thinking about it. And I would not yeah. want to have to be in their shoes day in, day out for <laughs> each campaign, honestly. <laughs> 
Honestly, same. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. Well, Cynthia, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge today. Um, everyone can go check out hashtag pay me the calculator to kind of figure out what everyone else is charging, see what maybe you should be charging. Um, this is such a tough topic to talk about, but I feel like you give us a lot of really good things to think about. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Yeah, that our platform is here to help you give a good data point and, you know, understand where it is that you should start charging and help you have those more confident conversations with brands as you go to get partnerships this year. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And we will see you guys again next week. Bye. Bye.